Hello and welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Bakra, UK rate strategist, and I'm joined today by our global market specialists, Giles Gale and Jan Navruzzi. All right, so uh, lots, of talk, lots to talk about again this week, and uh, I think we should probably, again, it's worth starting with the UK, given that they uh, continue to drive the volatility. Uh, there's a lot of headlines on the Bank of England intervention, a lot on the fiscal policy. So let's start with the fiscal policy. Do you have anything you can update us on that front? Yeah, well, it's like you say, John, there's a lot of moving parts on, on all of those things, I think, at the moment in the UK. Um, today's driver, I would say, of the market moves has been all about um, the government. Um, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, so anyone who closely watches UK markets know that will know that we're in the middle of a kind of barrage of headlines around whether there will or won't be a U-turn on on any of any some all of the measures that were announced uh, in the mini budget last uh, two weeks ago. Now, um, it feels like a lot of the measures that are currently being considered to roll back on um, that's being reported in the press. Nothing has come officially from the government on this are some of the smaller, perhaps less costly measures um, like the uh, just like the top rate of income tax was. Um, but nonetheless, it's kind of helping to support sentiment um, in the gilt market at the moment. We've It's been a very volatile day um, and uh, US inflation, which we will get to with you, has kind of put a bit of an end to the monster rally that we were seeing on reports of of a U-turn. But um, as we record this now, we're about somewhere between 50 and 20 basis points down in yield um, in 10-year gilts, Um, although that that has been much bigger, like I say, before US inflation. Um, It's still very up in the air. Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng just made a statement um, which didn't really contain a a lot of new news, um, but he just reiterated that um, uh, he would be kind of revising the the mini budget on the 31st of August, and and therefore that is the key date uh, for markets to watch now. Um, And how about the the Bank of England? Uh, They were in the markets for the last two weeks, and tomorrow, like you said, we're recording recording this on, on Thursday. Tomorrow, they're supposed to it's supposed to be the last day of the operations. Do you think they're going to extend it? And it doesn't matter to markets if they don't extend it. So just give us a rundown on around the back of it. Yeah. Well, again, again, it's been a week of kind of back and forth on on those headlines. Um, but it seems like the Bank of England are kind of standing their ground on the rhetoric that they will be ending those interventions tomorrow. Um, there obviously are a couple of other measures that they've announced, I guess, most notably this um, kind of temporary repo facility that will extend beyond tomorrow, uh, tomorrow being Friday the 14th, as we record this. Um, but the, the buybacks that they've been doing for the last, well, just over two weeks are supposed to end tomorrow. Um, we've had... Um, very mixed results, I would say, of those buybacks in the last couple of weeks. Some, they haven't bought anything at all. Um, and then after the volatility earlier this week at the long end of the link market in particular, they expanded the program to include um, buying inflation-linked bonds. Obviously, previously, they were only buying conventionals. Uh, and in the last couple of days, particularly with uh, Bailey, Governor Bailey's reiteration that the program actually will be ending on Friday, um, we've seen a much larger take-up. So, Um, just today's operation, well, they will be, uh, the nominals auction is actually underway right now. So I don't know what the take up was in that today, but 
in the linker auction, we saw just over 3 billion being bought, um, which is the single largest single largest auction that we've had any day this week. So uh, markets have also taken a, a bit of comfort from that, I suppose, that um, the Bank of England actually, you know, have been supporting uh, particularly the long end, I, I guess, um, over the last couple of days. Does it matter if they don't extend? Well, to be honest, the market seemed to take the news in its stride yesterday. I think that Governor Bailey would probably be relatively content with the market reaction that, that we've had over the last couple of days since they announced that it really would be ending on Friday. You know, gilts were a bit weaker on the open on Wednesday morning, um, but but in the context of the kind of volatile markets that, that we've gotten accustomed to over the last couple of weeks or months, really, um, it was nothing to write home about. And obviously, um, the potential for uh, a U-turn or some rollback on, on government policy is also supporting that sentiment today. I think that there's probably a, a bigger question out there about how much, uh, you know, selling there still needs to be done by pension funds and how much this latest episode kind of changes their, the way that they react in the future as well and, and the way that they kind of balance their portfolios and think about their um, collateral that they hold and and their leverage ratios as well. So I'm not sure that we have, it would be correct to say that we've seen the end of, of those selling pressures. Indeed, you know, we I think we probably talked last week about how two weeks is probably quite a short time horizon for, um, for the LDI community that we know are often a, a fairly slow moving sector of the market, let's say. Given the market moves that we've seen over the last couple of days since the Bank of England, you know, kind of doubled down on this idea that they will be ending purchases on Friday, I'm not sure that they will be uh, overly concerned about um, this kind of cliff edge effect that, that there might be on Monday. You know, I think that they will can always and will always remind us that if we start to see risks of financial stability, um, then they can intervene again. But, you know, we always said that it was never really about the level of yield that we got to. I don't think that they were particularly divorced from fundamentals. It was just the speed at, at which we were getting to that. But the market seems to have taken in its stride um, the news that, that this will um, you know, now seemingly with increased certainty be, be ending tomorrow. Um, and I don't think that the Bank of England will be particularly unhappy with, with how the market has reacted over the last couple of days. Right. Uh, that makes sense. And adding together everything what you just said, uh, and I appreciate that by the time this is out, guilds might have a different handle, but where does that all, all of this leave your uh, market views? <laughs> yeah, they might have a different handle, but who knows if that's going to be a three or a five. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, actually, for all this volatility and for all the headlines and, and the day to day moves that we're seeing, I'm not sure yet that we have enough clarity to suggest that any of this really alters our medium term outlook for gilts. You know, we've been bearish on the basis of the supply outlook. And so far, the measures that are being reported in the press, that the, as in, in terms of the tax cuts that the government might roll back on, seem to be the smaller measures that, that were never really the issue in terms of what was um, uh, what was making this additional borrowing so much larger this year than expected. So there's still a lot of uncertainty around that. 
given Kwasi Kwarteng's statement today, it feels like we won't know more until the 31st of October. So guilt may well be in this, this limbo for the next couple of weeks and essentially just trading the headlines as we get them. Obviously, there, there could be a little bit of an upward pressure given that the Bank of England um, are now quite likely to, to exit their bond buying programme on Monday. Um, but I generally think that, you know, whether the Bank of England delay QT, um, whether the government kind of roll back on some small tax cuts, it doesn't change the fact that the net supply picture is is shifting quite drastically for gilts over the next couple of months and, and years, really. And unless we see a major U-turn for the government, um, I think you'd be hard pressed for, for really revising our, our gilt outlook from still seeing kind of moderately higher yields from here. So perhaps I can stop there, given that there is still much, so much uncertainty in the UK. It doesn't feel like I'm giving any concrete answers today. We, we need perhaps need to re revisit those next week and in the weeks to come. But, but let's shift over to the US then, Jan, um, because the other kind of major market mover today was um, the inflation print. Um, it's obviously the last inflation print, uh, both before the next Fed meeting, but before um, the midterms as well, um, that came uh, much higher than than expected in the market. What what's your take on that? Yeah, and, and it feels like every time we record this mid month, it, it gets a little bit like a deja vu at this point, saying that inflation was red hot and uh, came in above expectations, and this month was no different. So, as a as a top line figures on a headline basis, inflation was at 0.4 in a month on month basis, and on a core a core level, which excludes energy and and food, it was 0.6. So both of those are about 20 base points higher than where market had them marked down. And really the reasons are the bad ones, the services which make up a large uh, portion of the, of the CPI report, such as shelter, the OER and the rent measures, which accelerated again. Now we had a rents are almost at 0.9 on a rounded basis. They were at 0.844. But nevertheless, we can see the pace picking up from last month, uh, which which is a really worrying development because it is one of those things that once it gets to 0 0.85, it is highly unlikely that it's gonna the rate of change there is gonna crash and fall very quickly. But rather, it tends to be more of a, a gradual decline. Similarly, uh, components such as medical cares were up 0.8 on a monthly basis. There's there's a lot of service-driven pressure that uh, that should be worrying for the Fed, given that that part of the labor market is still uh, you know, adding to the wage pressures as well as it continues to recover and add more jobs. Uh, on the other hand, I guess the some goods were showing moderation, things like used cars fell another month in a row, a little bit less than expected by another percentage point for the month. Uh, but those things are not enough to just drag the entire component, entire index much lower and uh, uh, and rates reacted accordingly with selling off and immediately kind of repricing uh, the entire curve a little bit higher in yields, but most of the front end. I guess the major question then is, is what does this mean for the Fed? I suppose that central bank pivot theme that markets were getting so excited about last week is, is dead in the water now. Yeah, it's it, it's looking pretty short lived. And so I, it's not good news for the Fed. And the next thing that the Fed will be looking at is the the, uh, the employment cost index on the 20th of October, which measures the the wage pressure side of the of the whole inflation uh, inflation picture. But 
I think the main implication is that this inflation print seals the 75 basis point hike for the, for the November meeting uh, and, and certainly increases the odds of a 75 in December, but there's some time until then and it's not like a guarantee. I think it's still closer to 50-50 right now. Our forecast for where the Fed ends this cycle is at five percentage point, which uh, five percentage points, which is at this level after the inflation number was released, just above where the market's pricing it. Terminal has settled around four point nine uh, before I walked into uh, into this recording, but uh, we are for, for the time being we're we're more or less comfortable with that. We'd rather be generally above uh, where the Fed is with their forecasts because we do see risks as continue to be skewed to over delivering over tightening rather than uh pulling back but i guess there's a couple of well one silver lining for the fed is uh that inflation expectations are still fairly well anchored and it, th these comparisons to the to the 80s when the volcker fed really really uh you know increased rates to high double like double digits was mostly because Inflation expectations were kind of like uh, losing, you know, markets were pricing really, really high, in, or I guess like consumers at the time were implying that you know, consumer expectations were super high and, um, and the Fed wanted to control that. That's not the case right now. However, uh, and the central bank can't really continue to react to spot inflation forever. So if we see unemployment turning around uh, and inc starting to increase, uh, and if we kind of start seeing this economic pain uh, materializing, then it might be a little bit harder for the Fed to keep maintaining this space. So at some point they'll slow down, but of course this leaves the risks for kind of like this, the so-called terminal rate for the Fed on this cycle to be again above 5%. We're not making any adjustments yet. Uh, we'll be looking for the next month's numbers, but you know, and we could also see the December economic projections to be a little bit higher again, implying something close to 5% in rates. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you, Jan. All right, then, Giles, let's head over to Europe, which I'm happy to say you're reporting live from, uh, because it feels like it's been all about the UK and a little bit about the US this week. But of course, it hasn't all been quiet in Europe either. Um, a lot of central banks speak this week, I guess, most notably um, a very lengthy speech from uh, Philip Lane, the chief economist. What's the key takeaways from, from what we've heard from them this week? Well, okay, so I think that we uh, no, we're very unlikely to change our, our basic call for 75 basis point rate rise in October. And you know, thereafter, while our call is for 25 basis points in December, I think that the markets are probably fairly pricing that one as well uh, at this point. So now from the Lane speech in particular, yes, you're absolutely right. It was incredibly long. It was almost like a, uh, a brain dump of everything that he's ever thought about monetary policy, to be honest with you. But now if I just draw out a couple of things, he was talking about analytical tools that, uh, that seek to draw on historical evidence. And I'm quoting here in the most informative way. Uh, recognizing the relevant differences across different inflation periods. And then he goes on to talk about lags um, and the, the role of monetary policy being to ensure that the residual inflation dynamic returns to target in a timely manner. What does that mean? I think what he is doing here is trying to prepare for a slowdown um, in the pace of rate hikes. Um, of course, we're not necessarily suggesting that's gonna be this year, but I think he's trying to prepare the way for that. And a, no, I was gonna say 
clearly isn't the wrong is it sorry isn't the right word in this uh it's coming to take a a, a different meaning in this environment i suppose but uh, for, for lack of a better word a um a sort of change towards trying to focus on again on frameworks and forecasts and not merely on uh, closing the gap and catching up in rates I guess the other important rate discussion that's been going on this week, or for the past couple of weeks, really, both in the UK and in Europe, and something we've been talking about, but I don't really know if we've talked about it much on the pod, um, is with regard to hearing. And I guess this matters most in Europe, given, um, you know, TLTRO and, and the, the favourable, I don't know if that's a real word, favourableness of, of the rates there and, and what that means for banks. And, and the profit, I suppose, that the ECB is, is distributing to those banks. What's your view on, on that? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the first thing to say is that that's also been a topic of conversation in the UK, but of course there's so much else going on there that it would be a waste of space to talk about tiering in the UK context. Um, there, um, you know, as you've been writing, we don't really expect that to, to really be a big issue. In, the, in, in Europe, uh, you know, it is something that people want to talk about. And uh, there was a Reuters article today talking about a sort of long list of five options on the table that you know, the ECB was discussing for tiering, been whittled down to three. Uh, it sounds like the, the main options would uh, be pretty much targeted at r removing the benefit of the TLTRO altogether. They were talking about 30 to 40 billion total cost for the banks. Now that seems like approximately what you would, uh, in a way you would cost the, um, the, the benefit to the banks from uh, TLTRO just uh, well, retaining its current level of attractiveness over, over, over the next year, for example. So it sounds like that's what they are aiming to do. No, it all depends on how they do it, of course. Uh, you know, anything that pushes reserves back towards uh, southern Europe, Italy and Spain in particular, from Benelux might have some impact on uh, on assets in those countries, particularly front-end assets, maybe repo as well. There are some other questions that uh, I think we'll leave for another time, perhaps next week when hopefully we'll have the benefit of our you know, having done the work for our ECB preview. But you know, perhaps there's a story around uh, the tail risk of uh, potential ECB sterilization, um, which obviously would have much more dramatic and you know, equally easy to you know, easily foreseeable consequences in, uh, in in money markets and so now this is a bit of a live question and I guess one that we'll come back to but very much you know, something which we're expecting to be uh, hearing announcements on at the October meeting. Okay, great. Well, I will look forward to revisiting that topic uh, and all the other things that we discussed today, I guess most notably uh, what's going on with the UK fiscal policy uh, and also the Bank of England's interventions uh, next week and in the weeks beyond that. Uh, thank you both for joining me. Uh, and just a reminder to our listeners, if you liked today's episode, please don't forget to hit the like button and click subscribe so you can get the latest episodes as soon as they're available. Thanks. See you next week.